thanks for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. This is David Perkins, and we're so glad that you're listening. Hey, if you're a part of our family meeting online or in person, we want to encourage you to get connected at Radiant Church KC across all social media platforms. God is doing something incredible in Kansas City, and we love connecting with you, whether it's through our app or even through all the content available on our YouTube page. Hey, our prayer is that God uses this message to change your life and that you could become a dynamic disciple of Jesus. Thanks for listening. Enjoy this message. Amen. Amen. Good morning. How's everyone doing today? Oh, come on. Yeah, come on. It is so exciting. I love how Pastor David told the story of the Miracle Building because the Miracle Building is a part of the radiant miracle. Even in those early days, um, seeing the prayer meetings that were taking place at David and Rana's house, the, they, were, they were filled with people. There, You couldn't even get into the actual room the prayer meeting was in. The neighbors, he was very kind. The neighbors were complaining. Skyler was out front helping park cars, blocking driveways. You know, it was just crazy. And it was just, hey, it's the, beginning of the radiant miracle and this building is just our next step in the journey of seeing God at work through the people of radiant church amen amen come on can we just give it up for Jesus one more time so good Amen. Well, I'm excited to share today. Let's pray, and then we're going to jump in. We are in this series on the Beatitudes, so if you want to jump ahead, we're in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6 today. That's where we're going, but let's pray, and then we'll dive in. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that your word is alive, that it's active, that it's not passive or stagnant, God, but your word is speaking to us today through your Holy Spirit. So God, I pray that our hearts would be open to receive all that you have for us. God, that we would have ears that would be attuned to the voice of your Holy Spirit so we can hear you clearly and articulately today. God, and I pray that we would bend our lives around your word and your truths. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Amen, amen. In the mid-1960s, or the mid-1900s, Irish author Frank O'Connor told a story about his childhood in Ireland. He said they would come to an orchard grove and there'd be a wall over it and they would take off their caps and they would throw their caps over the wall so that they had no choice but to follow them. Apparently their caps were very important to them. But in 1963, John F. Kennedy, the day before he was assassinated on November 21st, 1963, lifted that phrase and put it into the national spotlight. And he said this, he said, this nation has tossed its cap over the wall of space and we have no choice but to follow it. Historians describe this speech of Rice University, this national call to land a man on the moon safely and have him return, the the American moonshot. It was this audacious goal that had no option. It was either success or failure on a global scale, and no everyone was going to know the results. And it culminated in Apollo 11 mission with Neil Armstrong when he steps out of the lunar module and he starts going down the ladder of the steps. And he said, this is one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. It's it's moonshot idea is massive because a moonshot does not just happened in the singular event of landing on the moon. It wasn't just a singular event, but it actually elicited 
like holistic change to the very fiber, the very every aspect of our culture and society. Even today, we're living with the ramifications of this moonshot. I'm going to take a moment. I'm going to show you how this one audacious goal has impacted every single one of us. Radiant therapy for cancer treatment was invented because of this moonshot. Foldable walkers or or lightweight prosthesis and, and canes and crutches, all of them were derivatives of the NASA moonshot. Personal alert systems, CAT scans and MRIs, Muscle stimulant devices or advanced kidney dialysis machines were all because of this moonshot. They were all invented because of this one moment. Every single communication device our society uses, your phone, your tablet, your computer, whatever it is, every single device you use is a derivative of the moonshot. Water filtration systems, GPS, Velcro, on and on and on. You can go through so many different specific items that were invented because of this NASA moonshot. The moonshot is not just the event. It is the audacious goal that impacts everything from here on out. And while maybe the language of a moonshot may be new to you, the idea of these audacious moments of faith aren't new. They are littered. They, you can see them all throughout the, the Bible. You can see them all throughout history. Um, Moses parting the Red Sea. Standing at the edge of the ocean, the Egyptian army following in closely behind him, chasing them. Moses lifting his hands with his staff and the Red Sea parting. There is no going back from that moment. It is either we go forward as a nation or we perish. Joshua praying when he's fighting the Amalekites, God, let the sun stand still in the sky. That is this insanely audacious prayer. There is no going back from that moment. It is either success or failure on a catastrophic scale. Nehemiah rebuilding the wall. I cannot stop what I'm doing. It is a great work. These moonshot moments, Peter stepping out of the boat and onto the water took audacious faith. In that moment, I know he gets a bad rap because he sinks later, but in that moment, when he first steps out of that boat, it is either sink or walk, and he's walking on water. Jesus and the Beatitudes. There is no going back from this moment for Jesus. There is no going back from the life that he is calling his followers to live. And in Matthew 5, we see these audacious statements of Jesus as he's presenting a kingdom manifesto that's saying the kingdom of heaven is not like anything you will ever see on this earth. It is not the same. Jesus is saying, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those that mourn. Blessed are the meek. These are ideas that are completely contrary to everything we ever see in our world. It is not confined to Jesus' time period. These are statements that echo throughout eternity as completely different. So Matthew 5, 6 says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. No, 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 that doesn't make sense. No, no, 
we're not fortunate when we're hungry. We're not happy when we're hungry. We're not blessed when we're hungry. We're hangry when we're hungry. We never grow out of toddlerdom, right? When you're little kids, I have little children, when they're upset and they're fussy and they're cranky, I give them a snack. And you know what happens? Their blood sugar evens out and they go on with life. I get hangry when I'm hungry. It's because I need a snack. You need a snack. That's why we give you donuts and carbs. It's, we need snacks. I want you to be happy. It's this moment of we have to understand. No, no, no. It's so countercultural to what we experience in life. If Jesus is saying that we're blessed when we're hungry, but we don't ever want to be hungry because hunger communicates dissatisfaction. And we're too often, we live in the miserable middle of saying, I don't want to be hungry because it is uncomfortable for me to experience hunger, but I never am truly satisfied. So I'm living in this middle and I'm miserable because of it. Because I've never tasted true satisfaction and I've never been allowed myself to become hungry enough to chase after it. You'll be filled to the measure to which you hunger. You don't become the person God wants you to by accident. You won't develop your redemptive potential passively. It is an active life. You don't live in a neutral world where you can just sit back and just stay in the same spot. We live in hotly contested territory that we are being formed by something into someone. And what Jesus is saying, if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you will be filled. He is saying, let's make that something that you're hungering for, that you're thirsty for, that, you can, that can actually satisfy you. Let's make that thing Jesus. Let's make that thing me. I love this because some translations actually use the word instead of righteousness, they use the word true goodness or holiness. So those who hunger and thirst for true goodness, those who hunger and thirst for holiness will be filled. The question then becomes, how do we find true goodness? How do we find holiness? Well, Revelations 15 verse 4 says, you alone, talking about Jesus, you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship before you for your righteous acts have been revealed. The satisfaction for our hunger and thirst for righteousness, for holiness, for true goodness is only found in the person of Jesus, in the presence of Jesus. So the more, the more we're with someone, the more we become like them, right? That's why I like spouses. You start dressing the similar after like decades of being married. Have you ever seen this? No one wants to admit to it. It happens. Just Google it. So it's this moment where we have to experience the more we're with God, when we're much with him, when we're with Jesus, we can experience his presence. We become more like him. So how do we communicate that we're hungry? How do we communicate that we're thirsty? If it is found in Jesus's presence, how do we get there? This is crazy. 93% of communication is nonverbal. Do you know that? 93%. So it doesn't, it matters far less what you say versus what you do. 
Have you ever been in a conversation and your, your, our brains are, it's so incredible. Your brain is created, it's hardwired to understand and pick up infinitesimally small details about someone when you're talking to them. Their posture, are they leaning in? Are they leaning away? Are they smiling? Or are they furrow-browed? When, they're, when you ask them a question, do they look up and to the right because they're lying or do they look up and to the left because they're thinking of the answer? Your brains are just, pick, you're, you're hardwired to pick up on posturing, on position, on what, is, what are you communicating through body language? Are you fidgeting all the time or are you, are you making good eye contact? Oftentimes we think we have to have the right words to say when in reality it has more to do with our posture and our position as to what we're communicating. It's not the right words all the time. It's the right posture. See, Psalm 22 verse 3 says that tells us that God inhabits the praises of his people. God literally resides. He takes a residency. He is there among the praises of his people. So this is, this is where it gets tricky a little bit because the English language is really complicated. It's actually, I've got three little kids. They're all in elementary school. English is the worst language to have to try to teach them. Because it doesn't make sense. You've got all the suffixes, vowels, pro, all the different things going on. There's you, there, 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 your, your, your. You know what I mean? It just doesn't make sense. I, I. Like, it's just, none of it makes clear sense. And trying to teach a young person that, a seven-year-old, is difficult at times. And what happens is, it, things like this happen. I love my wife. I love my children. I love Greek food. I love the University of Cincinnati. I love when my yard's mowed. I love when my kids behave. I love, you know, and he goes on and on and on. Now, unless I, you really know me or unless I give you a paragraph describing the differences of those, you could walk away going, wow, Nathan really likes his yard mode. That's, no, 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 no. There's no way I love that and have the same fidelity or passion or intensity in my love for a yard that's mowed versus my love for my spouse. And yet it's the same word. It's, it's very, very difficult. So we've got to broaden our understanding of what we're saying when we say God inhabits the praises of his people. Because if true goodness and holiness is found, that it will satisfy my soul, is found in the presence of Jesus, and God inhabits the praises of his people, well then I need to posture myself into the presence of God so that I can be satisfied. Now, luckily, the Hebrew language is very different than English, and they actually give us seven different words that mean praise. So often, I want you to get this, oftentimes it's the, it's the physical posture versus the words we say. So um, a few, several months ago, I was meeting with a young man, and he, he had this incredible story. We were drinking coffee together, and he goes, um, Nathan, I want to get better at getting up early and spending time with Jesus. And I said, that's fantastic. I love that. That's amazing. Good job. And he was talking about this in the context of having a spiritual problem because he was not able to do that. So I started asking questions. I said, okay, well, what time, what time do you want to get up? This is fantastic. Good job. What time do you want to wake up? And he said, I want to get up every day at 6 a.m. I said, that's great. Yes, do that. 
And he was like, I know I want to. I'm just, I'm not able to, I can't do it. And I said, okay, well, what time do you go to bed? And he looked at me perplexed, like, what does this have to do with anything? And I said, what, when do you, when do you, when are you going to bed? And he said, I go to bed around 1230. And I was trying to be very kind. And I said, well, I think that's your problem. I think you need to go to bed early. He was like, go to bed early. Why? I was like, because you want to get up early. He was like, well, I can't go to bed. I can't go to sleep then. I'm a night person. I'm like, okay, well, let's play this out. How much coffee do you drink in your day? I, he's like, I, go to, I can't sleep when I go to bed at 10. How much coffee do you drink in a day? I, all day long. I drink coffee, coffee all day. Okay, I was like, do, is it decaf? He said, no, decafs were quitters. No, I, this is, I drink real coffee. I said, okay, I think you need to stop drinking caffeinated coffee at least at like after lunchtime. And I think you need to go to bed at you know, 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock and that'll help you wake up. He was like, well, I, I, you know, no, that's not for me. And I said, well, okay, well, hold on. Uh, you need to get up. You want to get up? You need to, you need to, it's a physical thing. You need to go to bed early so that you can wake up early. And he said, yeah, but then I just ended up hitting the snooze button and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, well, why are you hitting the snooze button? He said, because it's there. They put a snooze button on alarms because they want you to hit the snooze button. They wouldn't put the button on the alarm if it wasn't for intended for you to hit the snooze button. And I said, no, 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 okay, stop hitting the snooze button. Stop drinking so much coffee and go to bed. And you'd be amazed when six o'clock rolls around that you'll be able to wake up. And he's like, well, but I'm going to be, I, I, I said, no, 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 no. Because when you wake up at six o'clock and then you do it again, you're going to be tired at 10 o'clock and you're going to be able to go to bed at 10 o'clock because you woke up early the first day and you're going to be tired and you're going to go to bed. And then the next day you're going to wake up at six o'clock easier. And then you do it again and you keep doing it again and it gets easier as you go. But the first time you just have to go to bed and you have to wake up. He was communicating what he thought was a spiritual problem a spiritual desire problem. His problem was just his physical posture. It wasn't spiritual. It was he's drinking too much coffee and needs to go to bed. So when we say that God inhabits the praises of his people, the Hebrew language gives us physical posturing and clarity. It broadens our understanding of the word praise so that we can apply it to our lives and we can encounter his presence through our praise. Because, I mean, come on, most of us, praise is the fast song, right? It's the one where you clap. It's like the fast song, and then we move on to worship and other things. No, no, no. It's, it's more, it, is, it has more breath than that. So let's jump into this. I have seven, word, seven Hebrew words for praise that we're going to talk about today. The first one is this is todah. It's translated as a thanks offering, thanksgiving, thanks, a confession, a sacrifice of praise, thanksgiving for things not yet necessarily received. Psalm 56, 11 says, in God, I have put my trust. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? I will render praises, toda, thanksgiving to you. This is an active decision that is not based on your circumstances. So when you want to step into the presence of God, when you want to encounter the presence of God and your situation does not dictate that you should, when you're looking around the external pieces of your life and saying, they're not right, they're not finished, they're not good, I feel broken, this area is struggling, you're still choosing to make the practice of thanksgiving a vital part of your life. So this is you, maybe it's in worship today, maybe it's at your home, wherever it is, this is you going, Jesus, I know 
All this is chaos around me. Yet I'm going to look at my life and I'm going to, I'm going to give you praise. I'm going to thank you for every good and perfect gift that comes from you. It doesn't matter how far back I have to reach into my history of walking with you. I am going to look and I'm going to find the goodness of God. And I'm going to turn it back to Thanksgiving. God, I woke up today. Thank you for life. I have breath in my lungs. Thank you. that You allow me to breathe. I, am, I have been saved by grace, not of works. Thank you for salvation, Jesus. You're the only way that I could ever come into your presence. It's because of your sacrifice. We're taking, we're literally looking for any and every godly example of goodness so that we can turn it back to thanksgiving. Because any gift not turned back to thanks can become an idol in your life. It doesn't matter what circumstance it is. When we look at everything and we see a direct line from the goodness of Jesus, from the goodness of God, to whatever gift we're looking at and saying, this is from you. If we don't keep that string, if we don't keep that line strong, we can turn those things into idols. When we look at everything we have as a gift from God, it enables us to find satisfaction or fulfillment in Christ, in Christ alone. God, I will, I will tota, I will thanks, I will thank you for every gift in my life. There's not one area of my life, there's not one aspect of my life that I will not turn back to thanks to you, to praise to you. The second one is yada. It's to revere or worship with extended hands, to hold out the hands as throwing or casting a stone or shooting an arrow to give thanks. It's Psalm 145 verse 10 says, all of your works praise Yada, you Lord. This is when you're, when you're overcome, when you're looking at God, your eyes fixed on the author and the perfecter of our faith, and you're overcome because of how good he is. The response is to lift your hand and say, God, you have been so good. You are so good. Everything that I look at, all of your works, I'm going to praise you for all that you have, for all that you've done. I'm going to lift up my hands and praise you. Number three, zamar. It says to celebrate in song or music, to touch strings or parts of a musical instrument, to make music accompanied by the voice, to celebrate in song or music. Your soundtrack determines your experience. When the music changes, your environment changes with it. Think about the movies you've seen. Have you ever watched a scene of a movie without the soundtrack? It's very, it's odd. But when you put that soundtrack back on, all of a sudden, your emotional response to the moment becomes stronger because of what's happening musically in the environment. Think about the movie Jaws. With two notes, they have utterly changed your movie watching experience. E and F, they go da-da, da-da. It changes how you experience the moment because music changes the environment. This has nothing to do with your ability to play a musical instrument or sing, by the way. You are a walking, talking musical instrument in and of yourself. You never have to learn how to play an instrument. Your heart keeps perfect rhythm every moment of your life. 
There's never a moment where your heart is not in perfect rhythm. You know what? Actually, when that does happen, you know what happens? You go to the hospital to get it corrected. Your vocal cords operate just like a stringed instrument. They vibrate and project tone out of your mouth. You are a walking, talking, musical instrument for the glory of God on the earth. It does not matter your musical ability. We all get to participate in Zamar. Ephesians 5 says, speak to another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music to your heart to the Lord. Have you ever had a stressful car ride? All the parents said, amen. When you change the playlist, you change the environment. Music has the ability to change music, to change the environment. Think about in 1 Samuel when Saul, he had a distressing spirit. When he would get stressed out, when he would get anxious, when he would get fearful, he'd be overcome. What would he do? He would have a young man named David come in and play his harp, and his spirit would lift. Music changes the environment. The challenge is, for all of us, what soundtrack are we listening to? What music are we listening to? What are we doing? How are we participating with with making music in our hearts, singing songs and spiritual hymns? Because when we're hungry and thirsty for true righteousness, for true goodness, we're saying we're hungry and thirsty for the presence of Jesus and lasting satisfaction is only found in his presence. So when he inhabits the praises of his people, I am not going to be a passive participant, but I am going to step in and become an active participant to bringing him praise so that I can experience his presence because that is where satisfaction Satisfaction and fulfillment is found in this world. I promise you, change the soundtrack, you'll change the environment. Zamar. Number four is Tehillah. Te- it's a new song, a spontaneous song or a hymn of adoration, public praise, renown, praise demanded by the qualities, deeds, or attributes of God. I love this. This is Psalm 22 3 again. It says, You are holy. Think about this, the qualities, attributes. You are holy, enthroned or inhabit in the praises of your people. These aren't words written by somebody else. These are your own words. When you look and you experience God and your response is to say something that is out of your heart, it's out of the abundance of your own heart, that's Tehillah. Have you ever gotten a card and it's, it was a, a nice card and someone just wrote their name in it? Happy birthday. Happy Mother's Day. Whatever the occasion. Versus you get a card and someone takes the time to write something very personal to you. What is your response to one versus the other? Chances are your response is stronger to the person who said, I'm going to write you a personal note. I'm going to use my own words to write you something from my heart so that you know how I feel about you. If we're broken people on the earth, and that is our response, how much more beautiful do you think the Lord sees it when we respond with our own words? So there's moments when the worship team are singing or playing, and you're like, the words just went off the screen. What do I do? 
Okay, it's time for me to sip my coffee, hands in pocket. I'll wait for the words to come back on the screen. No, 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 no. My encouragement to you is this. Embrace that moment and begin to declare to the Lord in your own words. So you've walked in, maybe you've had a, a rough week, and you said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to toe dot. I'm going to make the decision to thank God for every good gift. And now I'm going to yada. I'm going to lift my hands up. And I'm going I'm to actually sing. I'm going to zamar. And then when the moment arises, when I have a, a, a moment, I'm going to have to heal. I'm going to sing a new song to the Lord. I'm going to make up my own song. I'm going to make up my own words and praise to Jesus. It's looking at the author and the perfecter of our faith and saying and declaring who he, is, who he is and what he has accomplished, what he has done in your life. The story of God written about you. His activity in your life, his goodness, his faithfulness, his promises to you. Number five is Barak. It's to kneel or bless God in an act of adoration or praise, to salute, to thank. Psalm 72, 11 says, All the kings of the earth will fall down before you, and all nations will serve you. It's looking at God and saying, You are holy enthroned. You are the king of kings. You are the Lord of lords, and I will bow down before you. That's why at the end of time, Jesus says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. It's taking and saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to posture myself and, and so that I can honor the Lord. I'm going to kneel down so that God knows that I am looking at him as my king, as my Lord, that, that I am under no um, confusion about where I stand in this life. You are king. I am not. You are Lord. I am not. You are enthroned on the praises of your people, and I am not. It's kneeling before the Lord and saying, you are worthy of all my honor. And I'm going to position myself. I'm going to posture myself in alignment with that truth. Number six is, is uh, Hillel. It means to be clear, to praise, to shine, to boast, show, to rave, to celebrate, to be clamorously foolish. It's the primary, it's the root word for the word hallelujah. So there's so many verses on this, but Psalm 113 verse 3 says this. It says that, praise the Lord. Sorry, give me one second. Says, praise the Lord for he's holy enthroned. And then as we go through it, I want you to stop and think for a moment. When was the last time you were clamorously foolish? When was the last time in praise that you went and said, you know what? I think I look kind of foolish. I am out of my comfort zone and into a space that is now altogether different. Growth and comfort rarely coexist. We don't respond to the presence of God based on our personal preferences or our personalities. We respond to who he is based on the biblical definitions of what praise looks like. Listen, I understand that you can, you've got your Enneagram number, you've got your Myers-Briggs, your Dis Test, your Disney Princess, whatever it is. But 
it all falls painfully short when it comes to experiencing the presence of God. Because we don't worship, we don't praise him based on our preferences. We praise him based on who he is. It's a powerful difference because Jesus does not want us to stay where we're currently at. Every moment we have this, this opportunity to take a step from where we currently are into who is Jesus calling me to become. We get to decide. We get to be an active participant. How will I posture myself to experience the presence of God? The seventh one is this, it's Shabbat. It means to shout, to stand, to, to yell in a loud voice triumphantly in victory to Shabbat, to lift up and make a loud declaration. So when we say that the Lord is good and we look at the Psalms and say, shout to the Lord all the earth. We're saying to Shabbat that there are times when we're looking at our lives and we're seeing the victory and the goodness of God in the land of the living that we have no choice but to lift up our voice and shout and say he alone is good. We have seen him move and he is victorious. Each one of these words Give, us, give breath and scope to praise. And the beauty of each one of them is they meet you right where you're at. Praise is not one size fits all. So as Christ's followers, our responsibility, our mandate is to praise in alignment with our place. No one's going to judge you. It's not a comparison act. If you halal, you toda, you lift your hands, you kneel, it is not a comparison, but it is an active participation. And our hope for each of us is we worship in spirit and in truth to embrace the call of God. That he inhabits the praises of his people. So we want to position ourselves as the people of God in his presence. And as we experience his presence, as we experience true goodness, holiness, his righteousness, we will be satisfied. The goal for each and every single one of us is to look at Jesus, experience him, experience his presence, and allow his presence to transform us. Because there is a longing deep within each and every single one of us that only Jesus can satisfy. We have these moments where we get to the temptation of our culture and our day is to live in the, that miserable middle. We're not full and we're not satisfied and yet we're not really hungry yet. But there's a longing inside of you that has been there your entire life that only Jesus can truly satisfy. 
So if you're in the room today, I just like you to take a moment, just bow your head and close your eyes and The longing that's in your heart can only be satisfied by Jesus. So my question for you today is this. Have you, have you crossed that line of faith? Have you stepped into a relationship with Jesus? Have you stepped into his presence? Have you accepted the gift that is salvation? And if you're in the room today, you're watching online perhaps, and you say, yes, I, wanna, I want to make that decision today. I want Jesus to meet me. I want Jesus to satisfy this longing in my heart. Just right where you're at, I just want you to raise your hand. Amen. 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 Put your hands down. Just encourage you. In the same way that when we, we talked about worship a moment ago, we said it's there oftentimes you need to use your own words. This is this is one of those moments. I want to I want to lead you in a prayer, but I want you to make these words your own words. So Jesus, I confess that I need you. Save me. You are my king. You're my Lord. Come and take up residence in my life. And I will follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Radiant Church, we put our hands together as we stand on our feet for every single person. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Let's stand on our feet. The worship team comes. I just want to encourage us for a moment as we... Um, as we get ready to sing and praise, I want to encourage you to take a step. Just even as a response time to actively engage and say, I'm going to posture myself for the presence of God. I'm going to, my natural tendency is to be one way, but I'm going to, I'm going to stretch myself when you get out of my comfort zone. And maybe I'm going to lift my hands for the first time. Maybe I'm going to sing a new song for the first time. Maybe I'm going to Shabbat. Maybe I'm going to shout loudly for the first time. Maybe I'm going to Hillel. I'm going to, I'm going to act a little foolish for the first time. My encouragement to you today is to take a step and see if God's presence doesn't meet you when you posture yourself for praise. So if our ushers, our prayer team could come down, I want to pray for you. And as we prepare our hearts to give in, in worship and in song, I just want to reiterate everything Pastor David has already said. Just thank you so much. There's, there's so many kingdom stories that, that we've been able to hear. There's so much kingdom impact that we've been able to see, not just for our miracle building, but in missions nationally, locally, and even internationally, seeing so many just incredible stories of kingdom impact. So just thank you so much, Radiant Church, for your faithfulness and giving. It really is amazing to see. So Jesus, I thank you for my friends. God, I thank you for every single man and woman and child. Jesus, I thank you that as they have answered the drawing of your Holy Spirit, you would meet them. As they step in and, and position themselves in a posture of praise, whether lifting of hands or kneeling or singing, God, I pray that you would meet them. God, I pray that you would transform us to become more like you, Jesus. 
We love you and we praise you. And all of Radiant Church said amen.